earthy. Look around and see that someone has opened a jar of perfume and they're pouring it out. The thick amber liquid floods out of the jar onto Jesus' feet. Imagine a whole pound of perfume poured out. That's a lot of perfume. Imagine how the scent would fill a small dining room. It would be overwhelming. It would draw each of us into the moment, that strong smell impossible to ignore. This story from the gospel really engages all of our senses. It takes us out of our heads and into our bodies. A pound of perfume poured out in a small room forces ourselves, forces us into our physical selves. It wakes up our senses in a profound way. Today is the last Sunday of Lent. Beginning with Ash Wednesday, we've been dwelling in this season of reflection and repentance. And next Sunday, we'll gather outside, rain or shine, and wave palm fronds and parade around the block as we reenact the story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And that will begin Holy Week. can't believe it's already here. Our story in the Gospel today takes place six days before that event. Six days before Jesus rides a humble donkey into the Holy City, surrounded by his followers and those who love him. And the story today is striking, isn't it? This story of Mary, people are not sure which Mary it is. The sister of Martha, Mary Magdalene, a different Mary. Lots of people were named Mary. The story of Mary, one of Jesus' followers, taking expensive perfume and anointing Jesus' feet, in our own culture and context, seems so odd. And it seems like when it was happening, it was also odd and surprising, given Judas's strong reaction. Jesus' followers all see and experience this intimate, loving, tender moment between Mary and Jesus. This moment that feels private. I wonder if this story makes anyone feel uncomfortable. I hope so. There's something very intimate, electrifying about this encounter between Mary and Jesus. Mary is bowed low, lovingly touching Jesus' her long hair used to anoint him, rubbing ointment into his rough skin. Maybe Judas says what we're all thinking. In disbelief, he shouts, how could you do this, Mary? What a waste. That perfume could have been sold and fed a lot of people. And I can't blame Judas for his critique, can you? He's right. The text tells us that Mary had brought a pound of pure nard, which cost 300 denarii. And I'm not so familiar with that currency. So I'll tell you that in our world, that would be about $100, which is a lot of money, but maybe doesn't sound like much. But at the time, a denarius, one denarii, you know, was the average daily wage for a worker. So someone who worked six days a week for about a year would make about 300 denarii. The whole 
the price, the value of that ointment, that perfume. The amount that Mary spent on this perfume was insane. A year's wages. And all that money, it could have been used differently to help many people. Now, of course, the person writing and recording the story in John's Gospel says in parentheses, after Judas's critique, Judas didn't say this because he was concerned for poor people, but because he was a thief, which I think is a little unfair. <laughs> we, we can't read this story, of course, without knowing how Ju Judas will betray Jesus. And the community who originally heard this story, John's community, would have also known the history of Judas's part and Jesus's death. But can we hold our judgment of, Ju of Judas back for a moment? Can we imagine Judas as he really was at that moment? A follower of Jesus. Someone who loved Jesus and believed in his message so much that he gave up his life to be with him. I don't know if anyone's seen Jesus Christ Superstar. Great musical. I've always liked the way Judas is portrayed in that show. He's not the villain that he's so often painted to be in scripture, really. He's a follower of Jesus who disagrees with Jesus' tactics. A man who sees the suffering of his people and wants more for them. He wants more justice, more freedom. Freedom from literal oppression. Like Jesus, his heart breaks at the suffering of his people. And like Jesus, he longs for revolution. But he doesn't think Jesus is going about it the right way. And at this moment, he can't keep his critique to himself. What a waste, he says. I think his response reflects the deeper struggle that Judas had with Jesus. He was impatient. He wanted the Messiah. He wanted Jesus to be the Messiah that so many had hoped for. He wanted him to ride into Jerusalem with all the power of God, violently overthrowing the Roman Empire and bringing justice to everyone who had harmed the people of Israel. But of course, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem in six days as a king, he will ride in on a donkey, quietly, humbly. And when he gets there and is accused and abused, when his very life is threatened, he won't fight back. This harkens back to a few weeks ago. Jesus is the mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wing. The mother hen who can't fight back when the fox comes, but can, but can only give up her life out of love. When we want a fierce mother lion, we get a helpless hen in Jesus, whose only power is love. This is not the kind of Messiah Judas wants. And here he sees Mary pouring a year's worth of money out on Jesus' feet into the dirt instead of using it to help people who are suffering. This moment encapsulates Judas' problem with Jesus. But Mary understands something that Judas does not. She knows in her body that this moment of connection with Jesus and this beauty and this pleasure is 
in a world at war? Should we be spending time making art, seeking beauty, when the world is crumbling around us? As faithful people, shouldn't we be spending every second of our lives seeking justice? Doesn't God want us to neglect all the fleeting pleasures of the world for the sake of others? As usual, this gospel story presents us with big questions, but no direct answers. Jesus' response to Judas is curious. It seems harsh, right? And it feels out of, out of character for the Jesus we, we like to think about. He says, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You have poor people with you always, but you won't always have me. That is challenging to hear, and it feels harsh. Is Jesus telling Judas not to give money to the poor, but to spend everything they have on frivolous, beautiful things, amassing their own wealth? Jesus lives the answer to this question. His whole life, his actions, his words, his attention are all rooted in compassion for others. He is the picture of sacrificial giving, of living an other-centered life. He clearly cares deeply about those who are poor, oppressed, and powerless, right? And his life also included compassion for himself. He was the model of sacrificial love, and that included time away to rest, which maybe we would see as frivolous. He could have healed more people had he not gone away to the mountain to pray so often. He, his, his attention and time often was spent sharing a, a meal with his friends, and it even included enjoying the feeling of sensual oil being poured on his feet. This is a story about pleasure for the sake of pleasure. In our culture, our inheritance from our Puritan ancestors makes us obsessed with not wasting anything. The thought of spending money on something we don't need is embarrassing. We justify every cent we spend as value prudence over everything. We see extravagance as frivolous, but time and again, Jesus upsets our value on frugality and efficiency. Jesus' reaction to Judas makes us reconsider our obsession with prudence and wonder if maybe it is good to seek pleasure. And yes, we're talking about pleasure in Lent. Shocking. This is a story of pleasure, beauty for the sake of pleasure. We squirm to hear that word in church, right? Sounds like I shouldn't say that word. We want this story to be about spiritual things. But truly, it is a story about Jesus affirming Mary's choice to spend an extravagant amount of money on something purely for the sensory experience of it and the moment of connection that it brings. Pretty wild. We assume, I think, that God disapproves of the things that bring us pleasure, don't we? We read letters in the New Testament from Paul and conflate them to say that we ought to deny the pleasures of the body, the sinful flesh, for the sake of spiritual enlightenment. But here, Jesus 